welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about animation, TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. This is part two of our celebration of Superman's 85th anniversary. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. And I'm Clifton. April saw the anniversary of when Action Comics number one went on sale, the first appearance of Superman. Last week in part one, we went in depth on Action Comics number one, as well as uh, bad guys and classic stories, so check it out if you missed it. Uh, But here in part two, we're going to look at his supporting cast, Superman's formative years in continuity, as well as we'll delve into some of our favorite creators and some lesser known Superman stories. I'll also have some mini questions to sprinkle in here and there for fun. So uh, let's start off with the supporting characters. What do you think? Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Olsen. That's your favorite? Probably. I mean, it's hard to beat Jimmy Olsen. Right. It's one of those, you know, it's Superman's pal. It's in a way he gets into trouble, but not the same way as like Lois and a lot of those early stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and he also has adventures of his own. It feels like right <laughs> that don't revolve around um, exposing Superman's identity or um, and and I think for me it's the whole the whole Jimmy Olsen Silver Age thing, mm-hmm. where so much of the Silver Age stuff that I think about a lot of times is like, oh yeah, that's a Jimmy Olsen story. That's not a Superman or an action comic story. Like the first appearance of Darkseid. Right, like that kind of stuff. Right, exactly, like that kind of stuff where it's not like, oh, yeah, that didn't happen in that particular issue. No, it's it's Jimmy. Jimmy's, Jimmy Olsen's the one. Right. I mean, I like. I don't get me wrong, I like all of the, the supporting cast. There's not a supporting cast member. I'm like, uh, this is terrible. <laughs> but, you know, I think Jimmy's the most versatile of all of them. I mean, Lois, mm. don't get me wrong, a lot of Superman's right. girlfriend, a lot of those stories are goofy Silver Age, too, but... Right. It might also be that... um like Kurt Swan drew a lot of those too, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Legion stories tied in with Jimmy as well. Like being okay. the, like Elastic Lad being part of the Legion, right? That I remember reading in a lot of the Digest stuff, as well as the fact that as much as I like Kurt Schaffenberger, he did like most of the lowest lowest stuff, and that has all has like that stuff has a distinct look to me that I don't prefer to Kurt Swan. Mm-hmm. So that might be it too. Okay. But I mean, I like, you know, who doesn't, you know, again, like you guys can say yours, but I, that's, that's my first, I'll say Jimmy. Yeah. I have a question about Jimmy. How old is he supposed to be? What's the age range you think works? Well, child labor laws were different back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always thought to me, he, he, he should be, I think just out of college, maybe always worked for me. Okay. Like I, th- like I think he should be in his early twenties. Right. 21, 22, give or take. Maybe at the latest, 22. Right. Okay. But I don't think he should be much older because, again, it's, you know, he was always the cub reporter. That was like the moniker he got stuck with was he was Jimmy Olsen cub reporter or, or, right. or, you know, photographer or whatever. So it was like a real position at the Daily Planet. It wasn't like an intern or, right. I mean, or, or newsboy or something. Well, because sometimes it seems like he's a newsie, right? right he should be running yeah. around. Like he gets in up in the morning, he gathers his papers, he goes down the does like Wuxtry, Wuxtry, read all about what's yeah. going on in the Daily Planet, and it's not really right. his thing. I mean, he's in the bullpen. Yeah. You know. The chief knows his name. Right, exactly. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> that that's pretty important, right? Sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. I don't I don't think it's a matter of he's certainly not he's a I guess you could say he's a peer, but he's not an equal. But again, right. like Clark and I mean, here's the thing. Clark and Lois never ever that's one thing I love about all of Lois's like dismissive stuff with Clark. She's never that way as far as I know to Jimmy. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, it's not even like a maternal thing. It's more like, Hey, come on, I need you. Let's go do this. You know, let's go get into trouble together. Right. <laughs> you right. know, 
at least that's what you know that's my experience with it i think um like in the animated series he's played a little younger right yeah i can't tell i don't know i mean that's the truthfully that's why i was asking a little bit because right. i think he can read like high school student right and that's I've what seen i got with some instances like um man i've watched so little of it but i want to say like lois and clark mm-hmm. uh the the you know dean kane terry hatcher show like mm-hmm. he's like a full-blown adult right in that <laughs> yeah, show yeah. you know like well, it's like, it's like, uh, the, what's his name? The actor that plays him that was Marty McFly's brother in Back to the Future in the, in the Christopher Reeve movie. He's pretty much an adult there, right? Oh, right, right. I can't, I'll never remember that actor's mm. name, but yeah, I know who you're no. talking about. Yeah. And like, uh, Supergirl in the Supergirl show, like he's, you know, he's pretty old. He's been around. Oh, for Not sure. Old, yeah. You know, but you know, what but I mean? the, you get what I mean? Like. But but that's the thing. There's like it's kind of like you, you're not calling that guy Superman's pal, right? <laughs> like like again, that guy's a full blown adult. The what I liked about that, like the Jimmy Olsen in the Supergirl show, is that like he is he's adult. He's older than he appears to be older than Supergirl. Like he's been in professional world for a little while before she mm-hmm. gets into it, kind of in the start of her show. But it's that like he's cool and like suave and confident. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was like, if you grew up like being superman's pal like that would that would get right. you some confidence sure <laughs> like once you grew up mm-hmm. once you got a little older yeah uh, so i kind of liked that take on it but yeah generally speaking in the comics and then in the superman the animated series he does come off as whatever age supergirl is supposed to be mm-hmm. in the comics and in the animated series when she shows up and then they're always i mean that's kind of vague so it could be somewhere between you know upper teens to college age Mm. That's where I'd put him in that show in animated mm. series. He does not seem old. He does not seem no. out of college. It's it's like if if, if I was ca- again uh, casting an actor whose name I don't know. There's the kid that's in T two. That's that's like a redheaded kid with a mullet. I'm like that's Jimmy oh, yeah. Olsen from the animated series. Danny Cooksey. Kind of yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. Uh, Budwick from uh, Salute Your Shorts. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid. That yeah. kid is definitely Jimmy Olsen from the animated series because doesn't have right. a mullet in that too. Probably, yeah. Everyone had a mullet in those shows. <laughs> mullets so, for everybody in the 90s. Mullets, mullets all around. But yeah, I, I think I think Jimmy to me is, in my mind, he's he's old enough to wear, like he's wearing, like sporting the suit, in the, like Silver Age Jimmy is the one that I always think of, wear the bow tie and, and, and right. in the bullpen and always around. And they, it's kind of like he's, like I said, he's a peer, he's, he, they, they rely on him, you know, but he's still, I feel still like Jimmy's like going to get sandwiches and coffee for people at times. Yeah. You know, I think definitely think Perry sends him on that stuff, but <laughs> but yeah, that's my thing. I think I think Jimmy is like one of those indispensable members of that because I think I think in the writer in the in the right writer's hands, I think Jimmy is a a font, <laughs> a fountain mm. of of story ideas and story story stuff you could do. Yeah, right. No, I agree. I, he's essential. I think. Yeah. To me, he's he's definitely essential. I think mm. he's he's interesting in the sense that I think. He he can be wildly different depending on who's writing him while being exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows what notes you're supposed to hit with Jimmy, right? And as long as you get those, but around that, you can kind of you can play around with him a little mm-hmm. bit and and make things a little different. I'm gonna recommend a Jimmy Olsen book that I recommended on our very very first episode ever. I was gonna say. When we did our first, our very first take on like single issue comic, like our favorite single issues of comics out there Mm -hmm. for people to read. And there's a Jimmy Olsen number one is what the comic uh, kind of, it's a kind of a reprint because it started as backup stories and then was collected into one oversized, like 80 page issue called Mm -hmm. Jimmy Olsen number one. 
in 2011 written by Nick Spencer. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, a, I forget how many chapters it is, but short stories about Jimmy They're they're kind of tied together, but are also kind of like a little bit standalone. And if you just want to know who Jimmy Olsen is and have like the fun, crazy Jimmy Olsen adventures from the silver age and see how he connects to everybody in Superman's like orbit without Superman actually being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great one issue. So mm-hmm. I would recommend that one. Okay, It is. It's really good. Really, really good. My take on him was always that like his ability is what brought him to the dance. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen rear window. There's a great bit in rear window the Hitchcock movie about the guy with the broken leg who's peering out the his window. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Stewart and thinks, and, you know, <laughs> that thinks, guy. He, thinks he witnessed that guy. the murder, but he's not right. sure of it. Right? That guy, that's right. The, that's yeah. the take of that movie. But, so, I say that because um, there's that one point where they explain sort of like how he broke his leg, and he's a photographer, and so mm-hmm. you see sort of a, a pan of a um, couple of pictures that he took, and one of them is like a picture of, of a racetrack crash. Where like okay. he's on the racetrack and you see sort of like a progression of like of pictures of like this car like coming at him. <laughs> mm, right. right? Okay. And he's got this like amazing shot of this wreckage. And right. that's a little Jimmy Olsen to me. Like that's how I see <laughs> okay. him. It's like he's the guy willing to stand on the racetrack to get the picture at the last possible second and then run away. Right. I can see that. Yeah, you yeah. know? I can't remember in rear window. Is that how he broke his leg? Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's All implied. Right. It's implied that yeah, that's what right, it is. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's Hitchcock. It's subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's always been my read of Jimmy. And that's, you know, like I said, like, that's why I think Perry White, the chief, knows his name, knows the name of this, you know, 16 to 20 year old kid that they employ <laughs> as a photographer. <laughs> Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I never, here's the thing I, about Jimmy. I never question his ability to do the job. Like that's never yeah. like whenever I think of Jimmy Olsen, I am never like, well, I don't know if he's a very good photographer. I'm like, no, he, he probably knows all the photography stuff that he could possibly know at that age. And then some, I, w- I would think, but right. you know, that's the thing I always think about Jimmy Olsen. I'm like, no, that's, there's no question about what, about his qualifications. It's just one of those things where I think he might be one of those people that's just used to hanging around older people, comfortable around older people and like not enough of a, of a, of a, you know screw up <laughs> that mm-hmm. he's able to hang but I, I think like unquestionably like you said i think perry has him around because he gets good he gets good shots right clifton any last thoughts on jimmy olsen no just that like i love those silver age stories where he's you know gets turned into a giant iguana man <laughs> or, <laughs> yep. or whatever else he has to do on those yep uh those are great i love them and oh, then sure. his fourth world stuff like that's you you alluded to that before zach but yeah like Everything Jack Kirby at DC from like Dark Side and stuff came through like Jimmy Olsen because Jimmy Olsen had a book mm-hmm. that was running at that time. That that that's where a lot of the stuff came was introduced into the DC universe. Uh, yeah. Was through that corner via Jimmy Olsen to Superman. Nice looking book too. Yeah, I think era. a lot of people really? forget that. Yeah, I um just because we we were hitting supporting characters. I want to, I want to touch upon Lois, but I don't want to spend too much time on her because we've kind of, we've, we've talked about her a lot in other episodes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, but I think like, let's, you know, um, I'm a huge fan. Frank Clifton. Mm -hmm. I know you guys are huge fans too. I think, you know, I think she's one of the best characters in all of comics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about Lois really quick and then let's move on to some of the rest of the, the, the planet staff. I, again, I think in the writer's hands, I think that 
Lois um, easily makes the case of why he would be into her. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I think a lot of times, you know, she's the short shrift, obviously, is what she was in, in the 50s and 60s, which was, you know, scheming to, to figure out who he was. But, I, you know, I, I like the Lois stories. I like a lot of, um, you know, Burns' take on her, I thought was pretty, you know, as an independent woman who happened to be a talented reporter. I just think it's one of those things where, like, when she's written well, she's really, she's such a great character. And that's the one thing I, I keep coming back to on a lot of this stuff is there's nothing you have to fix about Lois other than the fact, like, again, we saw what we saw in Action Comics 1. You know, it's all there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. stuff, a lot of the stuff that, that, that right, permeates right. throughout the, the, the time of the, of the characters. So, but no, I, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, Dan Delaney in the, in the animated series is great. I think Margot Kidder was great. Um, I've only watched, like, I haven't watched a lot of the, the, the George Reeves stuff, but, um, it's Noel Neal and somebody else, right? Can't remember the other actress's name. But that, again, it's one of those things where I think that the character, you know, is one of those characters at DC that, again, I think a lot of people want to, like, want to write, but don't always have a great story for her. And I think that's what suffers, like, for me, for the character. I'm like, no, there's, the ones that the, the, the get her right, really get her right. And the other ones, like, I just want to do something with Lois. Right. right. Which I totally get. I would, too. But and I think it's the medium. I think it's the medium yeah. that holds them back, right? Because you're in comics, you're expected to write a certain amount of punching and kicking, sure, right? and solving yeah. problems by with with fights and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and you know, and you can't make her a superhero, even though I always joke around like she's my favorite like female superhero, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I think I it's, again, I think it's one of those things where I think the one of the writers recently that got it really right was Tomasi. I think Tomasi's run of Superman, and I've said this before in other episodes, is the fact that. It's Superman family with her and, and John and, and Clark that she is able to do stuff and hold her own. And it's not so much that it, it, it definitely like you can feel the, the <laughs> you can sort of feel the, the reality of it push a little mm-hmm. right. because obviously they both have powers and she doesn't. But at the same time, you know, they're fighting the big things or the big monster or the, or the robot or whatever. And she's on the ground, like talking to the people and getting a groundswell of, of people support going, which yeah. I think is nice. So I think, I think that he's one that really got her and really got her well. Yeah. Well, he's a good writer too. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of a lot of his stuff. I think, as um, am I, you know, and, and we were talking, Frank, you and I offline, uh, um, you know, I, I, I was going back and reading event Leviathan, the, the Bendis mm-hmm. book from man, I don't know, maybe four years ago now at this point. Right. right? Right, 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 and that's that's very much shopped as like the world's greatest detectives are all working together to crack a case, and it's like Batman yeah. and the Question and mm-hmm. Barbara Gordon's in there, and but like and Lois, like you yeah. know, among other, but like Lois is there in the room with them, right? Like right. you know, and and I thought, and I just think that that's so cool that like you know she's getting the props to be a, a plain clothes person in a room with superheroes. <laughs> Yeah, and right. and they're all and they all like, and it's not at all a moment where like she's out of place. They're like, no, 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 like, <laughs> right. She's one of the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. When it comes to this sort of like sniffing, sniffing stuff out, like yeah. So no, Lois is great. Yeah. Phyllis Coates is the ah, other okay. actress that was in Very the good. Superman serials with George Reeves. God. Was she first or second? I think she's first. I think she is first, but I can't remember. Sure. Okay. She did have a guest spot in a Lois and Clark episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Playing Ellen Lane. Uh, and one of them is on like, I know in, in the Christopher Reeves, uh, Christopher Reeve, 
Um, right. Not George Reeves, Chris Reeves. But when they're in the in the scene with the train where Clark runs across and, and does the you know outruns the train bit. Okay. She's on the train. Like that's one thing is they put her in that mm. one of them. I can't remember which one. I think it's Noel Neal, but that one might be Noel Neal. Yeah, love Lois. Lois is great. Yeah, Lois is, is you know again. It's one of those things where I know Devon, um, frequent guest and friend of the show, is a huge Lois mark. And that was one of the things I think we talked about at one point was just the idea of, you know, it's, it makes sense why he would want to be with her with all the stuff that he can do when mm-hmm. you can see what she can do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So yeah. Great character. Yeah. All right. So who else is there supporting characters? There's Perry. <laughs> There's Perry. <laughs> Perry. Okay. I like, and again, it's one of the things where I like with Perry where they take the, the tact of, um, He's not just, you know, a lot of times he can devolve in a caricature of just being like a, a blustery, you know, kind of like the, the, the captain in the, in the police break scene of like, I'm going to take your badge if you don't get this done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which isn't horrible, but I like, I like it more when it's kind of like, no, at one point, you know, he was, he was, he was a beat reporter. Like he, you know, he put his time in. Right. You know, I like what, you know, I think that, um, again, getting back to Byrne, I think Byrne does a pretty good job with the world of Metropolis where you sort of see like there's a background between Perry and a younger Lex. Right. You know, I like that kind of stuff. I like the idea. Almost like they do, kind of like they do with um, with Slam Bradley in a lot of the Batman books. The idea that, no, that there was, a, there was a lot of stuff going on before there was anybody in a costume running around in the city. And Perry would know about that stuff. Right. You know, I think that's the way that character should be played more often. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't think he is, but I like the character a lot. You know, I think he sees the value in the people around him and sort of knows when to... When to sort of like cheerlead for him at the same time when to kick him in the ass about getting stuff done. Right. So, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of many appearances from him in, in other media. In the comics, for sure, I do feel like, and probably animated series, probably, I do feel like they get that where it's like, like he puts on the bluster mm-hmm. because he's supposed to, but right. like he trusts, he trusts Clark in that. He trusts Lois in that mm-hmm. and will put on bluster, but is like knows they'll go out and get the story. Like knows mm. they'll go out and uncover the truth, so he just tolerates whatever they do because he knows it's going to happen. Yeah. But he just puts on that bluster uh, anyway because right. <laughs> it's expected because it's part of the it's part of the role of editor in chief of the Daily Planet. He's a character that represents sort of an ideal, kind of not dissimilar to the way that Superman himself does. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that I think Perry is supposed to represent, um, like journalistic integrity, mm-hmm. yeah. and honesty. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and getting the story right. And I think that that's like having a character who that's his history. Frank, like you said, who's walked the beat and done it himself and done it right. well, right. <laughs> well enough to right. be, to, to, to be put in charge of the thing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think that that's sort of key. And I think that he is a character that I, I do think doesn't get a lot of play anymore. I think that, you know, he is, he, you know, he's kind of like furniture sometimes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, um, maybe just kind of there to like explain some sort of like expiratory aspect of the story. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and, and, get the ball and, rolling and then, bark off yeah. assignments to get characters to where they're supposed to be for when toy man attacks or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think the characters got, got more juice than that. Yeah. You know, no, I think it's, he's one of the, like, again, I think it's a thing of, again, if you, if you treat it as a character that has an actual history, an actual background, I think that character does. I, in some ways, in, in my mind, and I've never, I don't think, of, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm remembering a story or maybe I'm not, but I, I, to me, it's one of those things where he was the kind of, the, you know, he was kind of the lowest of his day. 
Uh-huh. And he kind of like was, you know, like I, in my mind, I, I don't know if he like, I look at Perry as like the guy that got the job of being editor that really didn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he was the best guy at the time when the other guy quit. Right. One of those type situations of like the other guy's leaving. We don't have anybody else. We got to put a paper out. What are we going to do? And they all look to Perry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's it. Exactly. I think too. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about it in, in those exact words, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is I was thinking about performances of the character over the years and I, and I like, um, I definitely like the one from the Christopher Reeve movies. I like, uh, what was it? Uh, Jackie. I can't remember his name now. But I thought he was good. I thought he was, you know, that's probably my first remembrance of a live action Perry White. But I also was going to say, as, as much as I'm kind of am about Superman Returns as a movie, I like parts of it. I think I wish I would have liked, I would have liked to have seen Frank Langella do a little more Perry yeah. White. <laughs> I, I thought like he was to see Lawrence good. Fishburne do a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's right? Larry Fishburne. Like, <laughs> How could you not want more Lawrence Fishburne? That's one of the. That's one of the like. I mean. That's one of the things that hurts me the most is you have him and I'm like, wow, like there's a Perry right. finally with like a lot of gravitas that actually like can, ho- can hold a scene himself, right? Like right. can hold the attention of a scene himself. Uh, um, you know, him being an A-lister himself mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's just, it's all for nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Jackie Cooper was the guy who yeah, played Perry Cooper. White. Yeah, but yeah, I thought uh, I thought he was great. And then also we were talking about Jimmy Olsen, Mark McClure. That's the actor who played him in Back to the Future and played Jimmy okay. Olsen. Yeah, right. he was Mar- he's Marty McFly's brother whose head's disappearing in the photo. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I think I think Perry to me, I think in the '90s stuff, I want to say it was Wolfman, but I could be wrong. It might have been Dan Jurgens. Gave him a fair amount of stuff to do, but a lot of it was like family stuff. Like his kid was getting into trouble, and you know Clark and Superman would have to help out. Or the, I think his wife, you know, like got sick and that was like the thing. And I'm like, as much as I, I you know, I understand that, that more human element of things. I, I think, you know, while I don't need to see Perry out trying to get a story, I think Perry being like, no, 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 <laughs> do it this way because it, you know, you, you know, or, or just being like, you know, again, a lot of times, like you said, I think a lot of times it's just, he's either furniture or he's a caricature. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I don't think, I don't think he's, you know, it's kind of like this. I think I'll put it this way of the two newspaper men of Marvel and DC. Jonah is more fleshed out than Perry White, and I find that odd. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love Jonah too, but I think it's really right. odd that they're more like Jonah human. Like, what's what's up with this guy's story? Mm-hmm. Right. Than there are for Perry White, and I really do think that's a really strange situation. Now that I think about it, yeah. So where do we want to go next? We want to stay in the planet. Do we want to go to Smallville? Do we want to go to a a, a bar or diner? Down the street <laughs> in Metropolis. What do we want to do? Uh, I mean, you, you can be our travel guide, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, is there anyone left in the planet that that you think? I mean, we can name everybody. Obviously, you know, Cat Grant and Ron Troop, right? And I think I think Cat Grant's a fun addition, just just for the fact that she's like, I mean, obviously, some again another character that can be easily you know devolve into to caricature. But I like the idea of like when she's played genuine and she's like, no, I'm Mister Clark Kent. Dude's not a bad looking guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. yeah. Lois, can, Lois can play her games and not liking him or not want to be around him, but she's like, no, let's go. Let's go out and do something. And Clark's yeah. you know, taken back like, whoa, what do you mean? I think that's that's a good bit. Um, I like the addition of like Ron Troop. I thought Ron Troop was a good addition. Um, I always like Steve Lombard. Yeah, Steve, Steve Lombard. Lombard. I've always liked, you know, the, he's kind of a... The sports know, writer who's a blowhard. 
yeah, I mean, he's kind of he's he's a bit Flash Thompsony, but at the same time, he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, it gives <laughs> it allows Clark to sort of be. I think it humanizes Clark when he's sort of like, I'm not. I'll I'll take this guy's nonsense in public, but. He's gonna fall down the steps, like you know, <laughs> you know. I'm gonna tie his shoes together in two seconds at super speed, and he's right. gonna you know trip over. A strong gust of wind is gonna come along right, and take right. that take take that toupee right off his yep. head. I was yeah. gonna say, yeah. yep, take the toupee yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, that's that's. I love that bit. I mean, yeah. some people say it's petty, and I'm like, that's fine. We, I think, I think at the time Superman again when you get in the whole Boy Scout stuff, I'm like, eh, you haven't read enough Superman if you just think he's a Boy Scout, right? Because there are times <laughs> that Superman's just straight petty, and it's great. So. <laughs> I have a question. What was Cat Grant's position at the Daily Planet traditionally in the comics? If I remember correctly, she was like their their entertainment reporter, or their okay. their, their their like um, you know like she would keep an eye on Lex and like people that were in the in the public eye. Okay. If I remember correctly, or she and then that was thing was I think Lois was kind of catty towards her about being like she might be tabloidish, right? Uh, like she's the gossip you know. columnist, right? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But wasn't she on yeah, air for a little bit too? Am I making that up? Um, I want to say yes. Okay. Like in the era when they were all on TV, when they're all like newscasters. Yeah, there was like an era where the Daily Planet had like a news had had, had a news show too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm, I can't remember. I I know that like during this, I think want to say during the '70s stuff, it was Clark and and somehow Lana was the the anchor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just because you know of, of all of a million possible people to put right. on on oh, camera with Clark Kent in in yeah. Clark Kent in in Metropolis. Why right. not be his, 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 you know, high school sweetheart or whatever from, mm. <laughs> from Smallville? You know what? I didn't know that. Yeah. And if suddenly, correctly, it's making sense, right? Because she's an anchor in Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Okay. Right? Suddenly, yeah. I, okay, wow, that makes a lot of sense now. You just explained <laughs> that to me. Well, there you go. <laughs> the, the more you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I remember correctly, if I want, I can't, I, I think we said last episode what, what it was. Um, let me look it up. What the, the Metropolis... When he would go in, because that was the thing was kind of like the newspapers back in the seventies supposed to be passe and be be dying, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was supposed to be something that was going away. Right. But I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick because I like I said I've only read you know I've read seventies Superman is not my yet yeah, WGBS that was what it was was the station so I had that right, but apparently he was he had like it says dozen plus years I'm looking at he was on during the Bronze Age. And it was basically that way up until Crisis, I'm looking at. Mm. But I want to say it was him and Lana, but I could be wrong. Here we go. Saying Metropolis Station WMET. So maybe they were on competing stations. Mm. But I mean, I think it's a good segue into Smallville. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know, I didn't mean for it to be, but yeah. (laughs) Um, I like Lana. Okay. (laughs) I think Lana's a character that, again depending on who's writing her, you know, she, I mean, she basically is, is, is Lois in the, in the silver age sure. for Superboy. you know, same thing where she's trying to get Clark to reveal his identity or admit it or catch him. Um, unlike Lois, she does get to join the Legion as a, as an honorary member mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as insect queen, <laughs> which I thought was, you know, fun for, as a kid, you know, she basically had insect power. She could basically use one power at a time, but, yeah, I, I think the characters. I think the characters a fine character to, to use. I just don't think there's much that, to, that for a long time there wasn't much to distinguish her between herself and Lois. Like a lot of the stuff I know, like when they mix them up, is like 
how are they going to scheme to get it figured out or who's going to marry, you know, in an imaginary world, an imaginary story, there'd be like, who's he actually going to marry and end up right. with. Right. Lana's a bit of a tough one. I, I like the character a lot too, but I mean, she's, she's not used in, uh, in the best, you know, I, I, I don't know that she has a ton of character anymore other than like, I knew you in high school. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. and well, they, well, I guess the other, I mean, the, the more, and I say recent within the last 20, 30 years is she's in on the secret for the longest time. Right. right? That's the other thing about Lana is that, you know, she knows depending on if it's, you know, um, cause she knows in the animated series, right? She does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's there and Burns got that bit where he, you know, he basically, again, it's kind of, it's, he doesn't mean it to be horrible, but you know, he basically takes her on a flight and tells her and then it's like, I'm leaving for Metropolis tomorrow. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, thanks. You know, see in my head, I think, I think the importance of the character lies in the fact, I think she needs to break his heart. Yeah, I can see that. Right. I think that's kind of the thing that she, she, in a way I think can display a weakness to, to Superman. That's sort mm-hmm. of like he, his heart breaks just like any, any one of us. Right. And to right. me, like she's kind of the one that got away. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, sure. You know, and then, uh, and then I think that's kind of like the hook of all the scenes where like you see them back together again. And it's like, wow, like, look what, look what Clark like turned himself into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah, I can see that. But I know like for a while it, she was kind of like in a, in a, not wouldn't say a sham marriage, but she was in a marriage with like Pete Ross and in the, the, like the nineties stuff. And it was kind of like, that's how that, you know, I think he was, he had a political career and that's how he kept getting into trouble. And therefore Clark had to step in and it was sort of this, right. you know you know, stepping in for help out, but at the same time, there was something still between them from the time they were in high school together, but I don't know, it's one of those things where I like, I do like the character, but again, when I, when I, if I peel back the layers, if I, if I really look at it with a, with a fine, a fine microscope on it, I, again, I agree with you, there's not much character there. Yeah. You know, I think Smallville and some other stuff has tried to give her more of, you know, and Smallville just goes, you know, badass. On what, <laughs> I mean, in a weird way. I mean, granted, it's if you know if you slap the Silver Age label on it, I probably wouldn't be so harsh to it. But right. there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Small that you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> for her. Yeah, there's weird. There's weird storylines. Like she's yeah, in high school, weird. but like owns a business in the town. And, right. You know, it's a little. It's a little strange. Yeah. yeah. And Pete's so. kind of a funny one too. He's like one where like the I I feel like people forget about completely, and I think mm-hmm. I I remember he was used. As recently as like 2000, 2001, when Lex was president in the books, like Pete was his right. vice president. Right. 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 That's it. Yeah. That, I forgot that part. You're absolutely yeah. right. But I think, I think that's one of those things that, that doesn't, I think, you know, it is kind of my, for me, the, the, the one note about Pete was that he found it as Clark's identity by accident. And then, you know, the Legion, again, I, it keeps coming back to Legion for me. We'll get to that. The, <laughs> the Legion keeps coming back and the Legion says, you know, hey, we appreciate the fact that you never, you know, you never did anything with this, you never betrayed him over it, you know, you you basically protect the secret so he could do what he needed to do, and inadvertently you helped save a lot of lives because you kept his secret for him, right? Right. And again, I don't think that's one of those things that gets, you know, I mean, there should be more to the character than just, hey, you kept your mouth shut, <laughs> you were a good soldier for Clark Kent, Superboy, but, you know, I, I still think that's one of those things that I, I, when I think about the character, that's what I think of. Sure. All right, we got to move on. We got to move on. All right, you know. All right. Um, you know, we still haven't gotten to the parents. You know, oh boy, Ma and Pa. Was, 
Sure. Which we've talked about a lot in other episodes. I mean, you know, yep. if you listen to the show, like, you know, that we think we think the Kents are super, super important. Absolutely. You know, his morality comes from them. Yeah. Well, as you, I mean, and again, his humanity. It's one of those things of, you know, I think a lot of, of you know, a lot of times, especially now, not so much, I think, in the early stuff is in the in the Golden Age or Silver Age that we don't, it's the idea of without the Kents, there really is no touchstone for him like i don't think like a lot of times krypton is is is, is portrayed as being kind of kind of cold and sterile burn death definitely does it but i think when they when you take the idea of, a, of, a, of like 50 sci-fi and really apply it as them being alien yeah that human the humanity's not there right and i think the kents are the thing that grounds him and makes him much more human not just kryptonian yeah for sure i think a lot of times when stories go awry they try to you know clip out the you know the, the cancer diminished their role. And I think that that's a, that if you really want him to be what he is, I think it's kind of a bad idea to do that. Right. Yeah. And then, and then heading down to the bar down the street in Metropolis, Bibbo, Bibbo, Bibbowski. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, that, that one people aren't going to know. So tell us who Bibbo is. So Bibbo is just, you know, he's a bar owner in some, in some versions and other versions, it's a diner, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, the diner tends to be if it's animated. <laughs> and they can't do a bar, right? right and right. he's uh, what is he like an ex football player, right, Frank? I think so. I think in some, yeah, I think in the Jurgen stuff, he's he's ex, he's yeah, definitely an ex. He's yeah. into some, he played some kind of sport, played some kind of sport, got hurt, couldn't make it to the pros. You know, was like was like a longshoreman, like a dock worker for yeah. a little while, right? Yeah, I was I I always thought he was some kind of like he was a dock worker slash he was in the navy for a minute. Mm-hmm. It might have got drummed out for being, you know, for being insubordinate or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. And then he just becomes a, you know, a bar owner in Metropolis. Right. And right. Um, he's a key character. He's the reason I'm bringing him up is because mm-hmm. he is, I think, how he represents how the city sees Superman. Right. Because everybody knows him. Everybody know. Right. Like Jimmy has a relationship with him. That's that's friendly. Right. right. Lois is a romantic uh, uh, relationship with him. Right. Everybody knows him in cl- as Clark in some mm-hmm. capacity. So everybody encounters him in that way. But I think Bibbo gets to see like he's his number one fan. Right. And sees him, I think, as the way that the rest of the citizens of Metropolis and the rest of the world sees him. Where like they idolize him and they're like they're just thankful he's around and helping out. They right. really believe in him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, again, getting back to Tomasi, I think Tomasi's adaptation of Death of Superman is that really nice bit about, and Bibbo say the prayer? Doesn't Bibbo say the prayer for yeah. him? Yeah, which is, which is a really wonderful moment. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Bibbo usually is played for last, but not always. Sometimes he's, you know, I think there's, there's a story or two where Superman's either lost his powers or exposed to kryptonite, and Bibbo's, like, right there to, like, you know, put his arm around Superman and prop him up and get him out of whatever, you know. There's a fair amount of those stories where he's, like, you know, happens to be there because he wants to see his, you know, his idol, because mm-hmm. you're because you're my favorite, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that Bibbo's important just from the standpoint of I always feel like he's kind of like the he's the hometown crowd for yeah. Superman. You know, yeah. I think there's always that guy's always going to be in his corner no matter what. You know, not, not that the rest of the cast isn't, but I think you know that's one of those things with Bibbo is just kind of like I think you know he's great in the animated series. He's like I said, he's good in the, in the that Tomasi adaptation. Um, he's good in the comics. Yeah. He's a fun character. So that moment in Death of Superman is my favorite Bibbo moment ever. Oh, well, sure. I mean, again, the, I... when they get the news that that Superman is dead, and then he's and he like drops to his knees and he starts praying, and he's like, 
like, God, why did you take him? Right. You know, you could have taken me. Why did you take Superman? Like, right. you know, and, yeah. like, I love oh, that yeah. bit. Yeah. That's a great bit. No, it's, remember, I, I think I told you this. I, I, I talked to Tomasi about the adaptation and I said, you know, that's a great bit. And he, he looks at me, he goes, you know, I had to fight for that. They didn't want me to put that in there. And I was like, <laughs> are you joking? That part's amazing. <laughs> that's yeah. such a good part. So what was this adaptation? Uh, the death of Superman is the one where the, the recent one, the animated one. The second okay. time they did it. So right. Superman okay. Doomsday is the first movie that right. they ever did. But then what, uh, what year was it? 2017, 2016, 2017. They did Death of Superman as a two-part movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Followed by Rebirth. Again, so that's the one. Tomasi yeah. did the script for the first one. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's very, very good. But that's when he was like, he's like, no, I had to fight for that. They didn't want me to put that in there. And I was kind of like, you got to be kidding me. Because that's a great <laughs> moment. It's really, really well done. Um, it's a great adaptation as well. I think they do a really good job with it overall. All right. So my my uh, mini question here is, who's the supporting character MVP? You can't say Lois. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe I should say you guys can't say Jimmy, too, but I'll let you. I'll, I'll leave it, Jimmy. So you're just going to rule out everybody except for Bibbo, so we all have to right. say Bibbo? Everybody has to right. say Bibbo. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. supporting mvp hmm. whoever wants to go first i'll do hard mode to myself and not say <laughs> jimmy okay right i will say the kents jointly okay yeah i can't separate them sure understandable frank how about you i'm gonna say crypto we didn't talk about crypto. oh we didn't crypto. talk about crypto <laughs> yeah. now that i think about dog. it dog yeah <laughs> we named the dog crypto yeah i would i would go crypto Crypto's yeah. my f- i love crypto totally love crypto Crypto is great. Yeah. And I will give some love to Perry because I will say, you know, Perry and Clark are just the two characters I wish had more screen time together. Mm -hmm. You know, I would like to have, I would like to see one of those moments where like, you know, late at night, Perry's still there and he has a moment with Clark. Like, hey, Kent, come in here. They sit down, have a drink and talk, Mm -hmm. you know, history and journalism now and how it was different Mm -hmm. and how, et cetera. You know, I think, I think there's, some stuff to be done there. There's sure. Father, father, son, mentor, tutor, uh, you know, um, yeah. kind of relationship that could be explored more a little bit there. So I will say for potential Perry. So, okay. <laughs> All right, Frank. So uh, we're going to get into it now because you bring up the Legion. This is your shot. This is your moment now. You can go okay. all in on the Legion. So my question is here. So we're talking about uh, Superman's upbringing in continuity. So. This is uh, uh, complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think what a lot of listeners may not know is that there is a portion in the comic books where Clark, as Superboy, yes, gets to go into the 30th century and hangs hangs out with the Legion of Superheroes for a little while. Right, spends a lot of time there, and I think I explain it that way just to kind of bring everybody up because if you if you are a fan of Superman or you know Superman from other media, you don't see that often, right? right? You may get the Legion for an episode Mm. or two in like the animated series or Smallville or something like that. You'll get some nod to it and everything, right? Unless you watch the Legion of Superheroes show. (laughs) But even then, but but even even then, then, he's he's Superman, not Superboy. Right. 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 You know, so I bring it up because uh, uh, we've had some debates (laughs) offline about like what's better, Superman just staying in Smallville the whole time or Superman going into the 30th century. Mm hmm. So, Frank, I'll give you the floor. Legion's your thing. <laughs> Legion is my thing. Sell me. I, to me, it's, 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 
it's as simple as as uh, a teenage fan club and and the fact that he's able to join them and sort of granted i think a lot of times you know they never really say it but you know it's kind of i'm sure they mind wipe him or they do something so he doesn't remember or maybe right. he does sometimes it's played as he totally does remember mm. and it, one of the things i think is great about superman it never goes to his head that wow i'm gonna have a legacy that lasts a thousand years there's going to be a group of kids across the galaxy that come together to do what I do. And still, you know, they're not, it's not going to be a situation where, you know, if it, it basically, it, he ever becomes, it never becomes hubris. He never gets pridefully. His ego doesn't get involved. But at the same time, this is what's, what is, you know, Superman still thought of a thousand years in the future. Mm. Not, 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 not Batman, not, not all these characters. <laughs> like there's no, there's no Batman museum a thousand years in the future. There's a Superman one. Right. You know, even in the future, you 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 know, you pop out that 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 S that stands for hope, and <laughs> and people still know who you're talking about, right? They know exactly who that that person is, right? And I and I think that's important. I, but also the main thing is, I think, you know, so much of that time, as we've talked about, is is Superboy is is in Smallville, and he's you know he's fighting the young Lex Luthor, and and there's you know there's people that have powers and stuff, but it's not the same as like being able to run around with these kids you know, that have powers like he does and he has friends that have, you know, can kind of understand what he's going through. And I think that for that, I think it's really important that the Legion is there. Uh-huh. You know, that's my thing. I think the, the, the fact that the Legion, now granted when they first try to try to bring him in, they basically haze him. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, this is in the fifties. They're jerks. Right. right. Yeah. They're jerks. They give him, a tr- they give him a bunch of trials that he has to try and overcome and he's unable to, because they they rig it (laughs) so you know there's that aspect of it too where they're like no we're gonna mess with you and then we'll let you in which you know as as kids do but it's it's i I just i've always i've always enjoyed the idea of you know he helps form the justice league sure but there's also this group that's gonna outlive all of them and he's going to be a part of it before he becomes superman right clifton what's your take um, I've never actually read much of that type of the Legion stories. The Legion I read was much later where it's the stuff kind of independent of, of Superman. Mm-hmm. In those days, the ones I read were from what, 10 years ago when Supergirl was with the Legion. Right. I guess, sure. you know, 10 to 15 years ago, somewhere in there, uh, several runs on it were, were good in the like mid two thousands. Are you talking about the Wade and Kitson? Yeah. Yeah. And then where that went to become Supergirl in the Legion after that. Right. Uh, So that's like most of my familiarity with those characters. But I mean, just to point out, like you're talking about like kind of a fork in Superboy storytelling of whether that happened or not, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of whether he went to the future and lived this whole adventure with these future kids for a while and then came back with, with that as part of him or he didn't. And then it's interesting, though, because like Superboy himself is a fork on storytelling, mm-hmm. which I think is worth pointing out where there's like tons of avenues of storytelling where Superman isn't Superman until he's an adult yeah. in Metropolis that he wasn't doing all the Smallville stuff. Right. Uh, which I think is interesting. But um, my take, though, is, is if you're going to do the Smallville stuff, if you're going to have the Superboy that was, you know, like in the what was it? The early 90s show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Even before Smallville, like the live action mm-hmm. syndicated show that I that right. I grew up on, uh, when you're going to do all that stuff, yeah, yeah, might as well go for Legion. Why not? Right. 
I'm like, just go all out with it. I sure. agree with you there. I agree with you there. If you, if you were going to put Clark in costume as a teenager right, and say he's Superboy, then by all means, you might as well go all in, right? And, yeah. and send him to the 30th century so he can yeah. hang out with Chameleon Boy. And, right? And, right. and all of those guys, yeah. And Bouncy Boy. Yeah, of course. I, I have seen, I've seen both done really well. I've seen it just him in Smallville. And I don't even mean just as Superboy. Like, my preference is, is he's just Clark in Smallville. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how he's brought up. That's my preference. Um, right. And he doesn't dawn the, the identity of Superman until he gets to Metropolis. Exactly. Right. Right. I've seen that done very, very well at times, and I've seen that done very, very badly at times. Mm. And I've seen him go to the Legion, and I've seen that be fantastic. And I could really, and I could get, like, way behind those stories, and I can understand why people fall in love with him. And I've seen it also where it makes no sense. <laughs> right, right right you know what sure. i mean and I, I mean just like so with so much of comics i think like anything else like it just depends like what's your take do you mm-hmm. have a good take on it and and what's he there for but i think i, I think the reason i kind of err on the other side is like he's either a kid from kansas or he's not right right <laughs> sure you know what i mean and i think that mm-hmm. that's just so important to who he is mm-hmm. that Suddenly, when you make it bigger and you and and he's aware of the legacy that he's gonna have, mm-hmm. I just don't know how you stay humble. You're Superman, uh, of course, but it's like you know what I mean. But I think that's <laughs> I mean, also partly why you do get those instances where like Saturn Girl, who's who's a telepath, like mm. wipes his memory when he goes back. So like you sure. can't remember any of this stuff, and so I think right, I think that's a little bit too. So like he doesn't have the weight of that on his shoulders. Sure. In, oh in, yeah. In a way, but. You know, but it's just, I don't know, like, it's just kind of funny to me. I, I, I have a hard time getting past the idea that, like, he goes there and he's like, oh, you're so you're telling me I'm going to be really good at this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're remembering me a thousand years, uh, a thousand right. years later. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, again, it's one of those things where, like, they don't, I mean, there are stories where that's kind of like, we can't let Superman or Superboy know, you know, how right. this all turns out. That happens, too. It will change his future. Right. That does occur, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I firmly come down on, he could be both and be okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Like I have no, I have no issue with the idea of him being a kid from Smallville and then also, oh yeah, by the way, welcome to the future. <laughs> so okay. yeah, I have no, no issues. So mini question time. We're going to go with the glasses here. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Are we a fan of the glasses or... Like, are we a fan that that's enough to keep the secret identity at bay? Keep people at, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, no, he's Clark, and Superman's a different, whole different person. Right. Uh, again, we got we talked about it a little bit last week with the whole um, shrug on the shoulders and then slouching, and I don't know. I don't know if the glasses are just enough, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen it obviously done well enough that, you know, it's a posture thing. It's a little bit of, you know, I don't know if he had to be like, you know, Bruce. I, you know, I'm sure there's a story somewhere where Bruce was... In an off-Broadway, you know, off-show, off-somewhere off show of, of, like, Oklahoma or something where he got, like, <laughs> his acting skills from. Like, granted, Alfred did some of it, I'm sure. Right, right. But, you know, just that whole thing of, did that happen or not happen? But Yeah, like Bruce is studying Stanislav Method somewhere. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> to to know, create somewhere. the Bruce persona, yeah. Right, somewhere there's a bit of, you know, Bruce is always, you know, oh, you have to say yes. You always have to say yes. <laughs> um, in his performance, you know, that kind of thing. But no, I, I I think with Clark, there definitely was something along those lines of like having to learn, you know, like whether even Mom and Pa Kent, 
just being like, no, son, they're going to know full well it's you if you don't, if you stand up straight or, right. or, you know, if you, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I think, I think the glasses work if he does the other stuff. Okay. Glasses by themselves, eh, maybe not. What about you, Clifton? I'm fine with just the glasses. Because, um, hmm? I mean, like this, the, the posture and the stuff you're talking about, that's not much. That's, that's just subtle things, and that's fine. I've seen people try to, like, you know, get into explanations like he can contort like individual muscles of his face mm-hmm. yeah. to, to like look just slightly different because he has superhuman ability to control like the smallest of muscles or, you know, or, or he vibrates his face really right. fast. So it's just kind of blurry to people. I've seen like all those explanations and I don't need those at all. Um, yeah, me too. Like what it comes down to for me, though, is. And I'll bring up, like, I, I talked to our, our engineer actually has a point. He's, he won't be appearing in, in robot form on <laughs> this episode, but I'll relay some of his thoughts. And, and it comes down to, to something I've thought, too. And I'm going to use Tony Hawk uh, as an example, because I don't know if, if, if people follow Tony Hawk online, on social media, wherever. He relates his like interactions with people all the time mm-hmm. where like one I can think of is, is he was at an airport, gave the, the attendant his passport. The, the, the attendant reads the passport and says, Tony Hawk. Oh, like that skater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tony Hawk's like, yeah, like just like that skater. Right. And the guy like looks at him. He's like, oh, like you kind of look like him too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. Cause the guy wasn't expecting to see Tony Hawk. Like, exactly. And Clark, like, nobody expects Superman to have another identity. There's just like, he's Superman. He's everywhere. He's all over the planet all at once. Like, why would Superman be doing something else? So I think at best you'd have people being like, that guy kind of looks like Superman. Yep. <laughs> right. You, 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 you put wholeheartedly my thoughts on it, Clifton. Like, I, I think the glasses are enough. Right. I do think you would be surprised how different somebody can look sometimes with just right. <laughs> combing their hair differently and, and putting a, a pair of glasses on. I mean, yeah, yeah I, the example I use is like if Brad Pitt walks in the room right now, I don't think, hey, Brad Pitt walked in the room. I think that guy looked like Brad Pitt because I think right. why would why would Brad Pitt be here? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And there is a video of Henry Cavill doing it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think it's around the time of when Man of Steel had come out and he was doing the junket circuit. Under a poster. Yeah. Like, I, right, I think it's like <laughs> under a billboard of, of Man of Steel. And like, yeah, he it, went out in New York City with glasses on to yeah. be like, <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fine with it. It's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I'm for it. I'm pro glasses. Um, all right. So let's, let's get into, I think, a little bit of the creation a bit. Um, Superman's had a lot of fantastic creators over over 85 years. <laughs> um, who are some of the standouts for you guys? We've uh, let, Well, you know what? Let's go ahead. Let's start with Kurt Swan. He's the yeah. obvious one. He's come up a yep. few times in yep. both episodes. He was a longtime Superman artist. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of, sort of the uh, quintessential Superman in a lot of people's eyes. In a lot of people's eyes, you say picture Superman. Mm-hmm. It's a Kurt Swan <laughs> drawing. Right, right. Right. Yeah, I love the guy. Love his stuff. It was one of those things where I remember again reading those digest comics of Legion and Superman and um Jimmy. That that's where I first like was like, okay, I like this. It's it's one of those things where it's not, you know, it's definitely not slick, it's definitely not modern, but there is a certain like humanity that Kurt Swan 
an emotion that Kurt Swan gets across for not being the most dynamic penciler in the world. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I, I love Kurt Swan. Again, he's, you know, there's a reason I think Alan, like when they do whatever, you know, the, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, when they wrap up right after a crisis, you know, the end of that stuff, there's a reason why Kurt Swan was the one they did it with. Mm. Right. That's all we, we, did we mention that one last week? Yeah. I think, I think we yeah. mentioned it slightly mm-hmm. last week, yeah. but yeah, where it's like the swan song to Superman, mm-hmm. like an era. It's a swan song to an era of Superman is what they're right. kind of, what Alan Moore is kind of putting to bed and that era being the silver age into the bronze age. Right. And that Kurt Swan was the artist for that whole period among other artists. But like he was like, if you read Superman from like 1950 into the seventies, right. Like, he was your Superman. He was your yeah. Superman creator. Yep. For sure. And I mean, worth saying that, like, I think his, his, style did not change very much in that period no i can't really. think of anybody who like has been drawing like so long been doing art so long and it's like and his superman looked like just timeless always no matter mm-hmm. if you're looking at 1950s or if you're looking at like you know the 70s stuff like right but yeah chris one like you know if there's a mount rushmore for superman artists especially that that guy's on it mm-hmm. yeah for sure mm-hmm. Who else? Who else? Notable creators out there that really like you know left their thumbprint on Superman. Well, I've talked about it a bunch, but John Byrne for sure. Yeah, you know Byrne is is basically handed you know after Crisis he's handed Superman and said go ahead go ahead and re-, after doing you know Uncanny X Men at Marvel and doing Fantastic Four and having a great run on that he's able to come over to DC and do um, well Legends he does the art with and I think he co plots with if I remember correctly. He might have been a co-plotter on it as well. But then he also comes again and does, does Superman. So, you know, it's one of those things where um, a lot of the more, you know, it's it's hard to say from that something from 86 is, is modern. <laughs> but a lot of the take of Superman, a lot of the idea of Clark and, and, and Superman being a little more on an even playing field, especially with Lois. Um I know Marv Wolfman came up with the concept of, of businessman Lex, but at the same time, Byrne does a lot with it. You know, there was a push at the, at the time when Byrne came on to do, to basically have Superman be the only surviving Kryptonian. Right. The literal last son of Krypton. Right, literal last son of Krypton. Yep. Um, and a lot of those elements that, that, you know, so there's no Supergirl, there's no Crypto, there's no, a lot of the Silver Age stuff sort of goes away. No, you know, they, they kind of, they kind of put a, a button on the Legion stuff in a way. During Burns' run, again, people argue whether that was what, what was that. We do we gain something from that, or do we lose something from that? Um, a lot of people point to, you know, because of the Zack Snyder stuff and the way that the end of uh, Man of Steel, people point to Burns' run to like, well, that's what happened with the Kryptonian villains in that run. So therefore, Superman's a killer. You know, right. that's that that whole thing, which I think is awful. Yeah. Um. You know. I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's a couple, there's a handful of stories versus 85 years of him not being, so you, yeah. you, you do the math. That's the argument I give, like, okay, you got one story where he does it. I have thousands. Right. I have thousands right. where, where he doesn't. <laughs> where he doesn't. <laughs> you know, and again, again, that was the other thing that, that I'll, that I'll come, that I'll, I'll put a thing on the, again, on the Legion is the Legion has a code of not killing and that's because Superman didn't kill. Right. You know, that's another thing about the Legion that I think is important is the idea that the values that Superman put forth as being superheroes, what they carry into the future. And that's important because, again, we've seen stories of where Superman's values are kind of scoffed at or kind of thought of as corny or old hat or, you know, not realistic. 
But a thousand years in the future, the, you know, there's a group of kids that are like, no, that it's important that we keep that tradition going. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, I think Byrne is a really important creator. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he he's he is mentioned quite often. I mean, it's it's not well, it's mean, not especially. like he's forgotten about. It, that's <laughs> right. not that's not the case. But I do think, right. in a, on some level, it's not appreciated enough. I mean, like you know, first of all, I mean, like he wrote and did the art. Yeah, which you know, and then and I mean, he was on two books for a while. Right, right. Well, he, he was, was yeah. He was draw- he was drawing the main Superman book, and then he did and was it was it adventures no he did the i'm sorry you're right he did these the, the action comics which was the team-up book for a while mm-hmm. yeah because marv wolfman was doing adventures for a while that's adventures impressive Superman. sure that's, that's, that's really impressive i mean that's impressive today yeah <laughs> you for know? sure but i would give i would say who else another one that's important i would say is jurgens i, mean, I don't think jurgens gets a lot of a, a lot of credit Granted, I think the Doomsday you know stuff was obviously sales driven, but again, someone has to tell those stories, right? You know, and then Doomsday, whether you you know love it or hate it, it was you know it was huge at the time, mm-hmm. right? You know, that was that was one of those. I'm gonna put my kid through college with these copies of you know <laughs> Superman's death. You know, don't open the bag. Don't right. open that. Yeah, right, right. No, don't open that one with the armband. Don't do that. Um. You know, and again, I think he was he was a solid storyteller of Superman for a long, long time. Yeah, it's a fun era too, like yeah. Louis Simonson on books too, right? Yep, around that era. Yeah, the time of the tri- like the triangles to keep track of what how you're supposed to read the the four Superman. That's the thing. Think about it this way: Superman had like four books at a month. Were there like four books at the, at the height? I think it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know that, that had like four different creative teams telling one cohesive story, especially like after around the time of the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um. But if you're going like if you're going back to like the seventies, it'd be like uh Elliot S. Magan is another one that's big. Or um I wanna say uh E. Nelson Bridwell, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of my bronze age writers. Mm-hmm. Carrie Bates wrote a bunch. I think Carrie Bates is the one that wrote the the um Why Does There ha- I think it's him. Is Why Does There Have to Be a Superman? Let me look that up for I'm mm-hmm. quoting the wrong person. But that's a big seventies story. Like i and like I know for like the bronze age stuff, Elliot S. Magan wrote the story about who was the Green Lantern that was supposed to be in charge of Krypton. Mm, okay, like whose sector that was. That's mm-hmm. a that's a good one too. And you find out that it's it's actually a, a, a Green Lantern that we like we have seen on camera. Right. <laughs> like it's a fairly big name. So right. A lot of those stories are great from the seventies, but again, I think I, it was one of the things where I don't think there was one particular writer that was on it for a really long time. But I could be wrong because again, I haven't read a ton of those books from that time. You can you can say who the lantern of Krypton <laughs> oh. is. Oh, sure. Um, it's supposed to be, it was Tomar Ree. Right. Yeah. Or Tomar Ray, depending on <laughs> the, right. which which pronunciation. But yeah, Elias. Ma- yeah, base. But apparently the uh, the Elias Magan story was based on an idea by Neil Adams. Oh, okay. Right. Right. You know. But again, that's the idea. Of the again, that was something that people were like, "Oh, yeah, that's a question. That's a good question." There, there should have been someone that kept Krypton in their sector, mm-hmm. they, like you know, had them in their sector, and then, you know, Krypton still meets its end. So, Cliffin, what about you? I'm going to bring up uh, just a couple artists that had impacts outside of the normal uh, Superman comics, and the first one's George Perez, who I mean, mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. through Crisis. Um, yeah. So, you know, wasn't. I don't know how much George Perez did with Superman specifically over the years, apart from mm-hmm. crisis, but crisis is a story, you know, that touched everyone of a generation reading comics 
right. at that time. And the cover, like the depiction of, of Superman holding Supergirl, like that's an right. image that I think is imprinted on a lot of, <laughs> a lot of kids of that era. Right. Yeah. And that was Perez. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't deny just like what the impact of crisis was and like his art in that is phenomenal of, of drawing like, you know, every character imaginable mm. and and the multiple supermans <laughs> that right. he draws in mm-hmm. in that story from the uh, from the various worlds um definitely definitely a pivotal superman moment in comics i think oh yeah and then the other one is actually outside of comics per se and that's uh jose luis garcia lopez yeah i meant to mention him and and while most of his work that everybody knows they don't know is his work <laughs> because yeah. In the early, early 80s, he had drawn the the style guide. So he drew like turnarounds for every DC character. Right. That was then used for all of the merchandising. So lunchboxes, t-shirts, toys, yep. coloring books, whatever mm-hmm. you can think of. Right. When you would see those depictions of the DC characters and Superman was, you know, the probably Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, I imagine as always, were all over all the merchandising. Right. Uh, you were looking at, at Jose Luis Garcia Lopez depictions of them. So yeah, again, when, like, uh, it's, it's what people think of as these characters was him mm-hmm. who didn't read the comics at the time, but loved the characters and collected this stuff or went to school with the lunchbox or whatever. Yeah. All good ones. All good ones. We talked to Alan Moore last, uh, last episode, mm-hmm. some of the classic stories, I think, you know, hard pressed, not the name Alan Moore for Superman. Um, you know, right. It's done a lot of good ones. Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. you know, along the same lines, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Grant Morrison has done sort of the modern classic, right? <laughs> that everybody knows an all-star Superman. Yeah. Um, but notable too. I mean, he wrote Justice League for a long time, and it was really, really good. And he was, uh, right. You know, we joke around like he was the one that actually made the electric blue Superman like kind of cool. Right. In places, <laughs> yeah, it works. It's not just our opinion. That is a that is an accepted opinion. I, I've noticed. Yeah, he's yeah. the one person that made it work. Yeah, the electric blue stunt. So yeah, I mean, he's a good one. I think. Um, you know, I mean, even though it's not a Superman book per se, but man, Kingdom Come gets lumped in as a Superman story all the time. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm throwing Mark Wade in there. You know, mm-hmm. Mark Wade, Alex Ross. I mean, like people love Kingdom Come. It's a good book. Yeah, I do. I, I like it too, but I mean, but you know, I understand like he's an anchor of that book for sure. Right. But I've seen that one a lot of times, like best Superman stories. It's like kingdom come. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> kind of a DC story to me, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, that's the thing is that Wade says about that book is when he read, you know, we talk about crisis. He's like, I'm not, I'm not knocking crisis. I'm not knocking what Marvin, um, what Marv Wolfman and George Perez did. But you know, to him, it was like, Every panel, it was you know blue be- you know blue devil talking to Adam, talking to Lightning Lad, and, he, and he's like I didn't feel like there was a character that tied it all together. And he's like when I wrote Kingdom Come, he's like I wanted to anchor it in something that I knew that I could have a main character or a character that would you know be the through line. And he's like Superman was that character for me, right? You know that's why it's a much more you know he feels like it's a much more personal story, whereas you know Crisis is a lot more, and Crisis does have a lot more beats of just you know couple panels with this character but it's written so for me it's written so well that in that couple panels you get the character's personality even if you don't read those books and a lot of times uh, characters i didn't know about i'm like well i want to know more about this character i'll seek them out Mm. so yeah i mean in wade you know uh birthright is another one i see that people talk about all the time too about sort of Mm -hmm. like like uh one of the definitive origin tellings 
mm-hmm. that's out there. Um, you know, Mark Wade is is one of those writers that like, man, I just wish he did more in the character. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, saying that as he's writing uh, World's Finest right now, currently. Right. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if what we get with um, James Gunn's younger version of Superman isn't Birthright. I'd be okay. very surprised. I'm not, I, I don't, it's not my favorite Wade piece. Mm-hmm. It's not my, it's not my favorite Superman origin song. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's not my favorite personally. There are things I do like about it, but I'd be very, very shocked if that's not the, the, the blueprint for it. He's just, he's just a writer I hold in a, a very high regard. And I think he gets the character really, really well. And, you know, I've been at cons where I've seen him get choked up, talk about Silver Age Superman stories where he's like, mm-hmm. you're, like he acknowledges like this is so stupid what I'm saying, but like he's actually like like choking up talking about like mm-hmm. a story where you know the IRS deems Superman doesn't owe back taxes because like his <laughs> because <laughs> right. like just the way that he's helped out and saved so many people over the world like has paid has paid his taxes essentially <laughs> uh, right. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I'm, it's an actual panel I sat through, and he's like, he's talking about this story, and he's like, literally getting choked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, this is what Superman means to me. Yeah. So yeah. So he's one like, yeah. Please, I, I would love to see him write Superman for like four years. That'd be awesome. No, Wade's great. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge fan of Wade. I, I first, you know, found him on Flash, and I've been a fan of his stuff ever since. I'm looking forward to his um. To plug something that's coming up, the uh, the story that he's going to do about the last days of Lex Luthor, that whole thing that he's got coming up for uh, Black Label at DC sounds great. Yeah, sounds very sounds like a very Silver Age uh, story done probably in a modern way. I can't wait for it. So yeah, no, I can't wait for that one either. I th- it sounds great. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. So all right, so let's start closing out on um uh what we did last week. So last week we ended up on on classic Superman stories. Let's start closing out on. Lesser known favorites of ours, um, you know, the ones that's not all star Superman and for the man who has everything and, <laughs> and stuff like that, that you would right. that you would find on lists pretty easily. It's going to be a little weird <laughs> for my recommendation. Uh, I'm completely cheating here. I'm mm. completely 100 percent cheating on this. And I'm going to recommend Supreme by Alan Moore. <laughs> OK which are some of the best Superman stories I've ever read, despite the fact that they're not actually about (laughs) Superman. (laughs) Right. And it was the uh, image comic in the, uh, in the nineties when Alan Moore was, was doing some work over at image. He picked up for a time on Rob Liefeld, Superman ripoff character, Supreme (laughs) Mm -hmm. or pastiche character, uh, tribute character, homage character, whatever you want to call it. So Alan Moore took up time writing on Supreme and made it a crazy good Superman book. (laughs) If you just kind of squint a little bit. Right. And I always described it to people as Alan Moore's all-star Superman, uh, where it was him kind of like Grant Morrison did later with all-star Superman, just taking a lot of Superman ideas from over the years and, and kind of uh, analyzing them, kind of being a little bit meta with them or a lot meta sometimes in some of the issues. But yeah, I mean, he presents like a, a love letter to all these years of Superman. It's just not a Superman book. Yeah. And I remember like I would recommend it to people. I remember one time when I worked at the comic shop that the Frank and I used to work at and Zach came in that you came in, Zach, and we're asking what you should read next by Alan Moore uh, because you hadn't read too much by that mm. point in time of Alan Moore and you were just looking for something else to read. And, and Supreme's what I picked up off the shelf and handed you. 
And I think you thought I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard. I mean, like at the time it was like Rob Liefeld is like, you can't see past it for a bit. Right, like, right. wait a minute. No. Really? Yeah. Right. You know, but no, I've read it since. It's terrific. Yeah. It's good Superman it stories, right? It's somehow, yeah. <laughs> it's somehow like modern Superman and somehow Silver Age Superman, like in the same yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, it's a great balance. Times. It's such a good balance of storytelling. Yeah. It's just not Superman, though. But it is some great no. Superman stories if you squint. Yeah, it's just not actually <laughs> Superman, but it's all there. It yeah. is, and it's not. It's not, but it is. He's an analog <laughs> of Clark Kent. He's in, right? Like, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's great. Love that one. Yeah, Supreme is fantastic. It really is. And they collected that in a couple trades. You may still be able to get it at a convention or eBay or something. I, I doubt they're still in print. Right. Yep. But it was Supreme Story of the Year and Supreme The Return are the name of the, the collection volumes. Frank, how about you? I know you got a few. I've got one. Okay. This one's going to be, again, I'll go with Clifton. It's going to be a little weird, but it is actually a Superman story. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's, it, But it's a <laughs> Superman and Spider-Man story. Oh, interesting. It's the Marvel Treasury Edition number 28, Superman and Spider-Man. Not the first one. I like the first one, but I really love the second one. I think the second one is a lot more fun because it's it's they're going up against Doom and the Parasite, which I think is a weird combo. Yeah. But at the same time, I I love that one. Um, (laughs) Who are the creators on that? It's got, uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's written by Jim Shooter and Marv Wolfman. Okay. Penciled by John Buscema and then... Inkers are like Terry Austin, Klaus Janssen, Bob Layton, Steve Leohola, basically like Bob McLeod. Uh, anybody that was there in the, in the bullpen, it sounds like they handed them like, you do it. You do the next couple of pages. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's got Hulk. It's got Wonder Woman in it. You know, it's one of those things where it's a rare thing of you get to see characters that, um, you know, uh, uh, Spider-Man and Wonder Woman teaming up, <laughs> you know, for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing of like, oh, you know, I would never, I'd never think that, the, I mean, I'm sure if there was, if, if, if Marvel team up had been allowed to, to go multiversal, you know, we would have right. gotten that. But I love yeah. that one. I think it's just fun because it's a fun, you know, again, it's a fun mix of characters, but also a Superman in it. Mm-hmm. And it's always cool to see, you know, when a character has to basically be up against Superman. That's one of the things I love about that. We talked about not as much, but I'll talk more about that if I get another choice. Um, <laughs> DC Comics presents just the idea of you know we talked about a little bit last episode was just the idea of when you put a character up against Superman what does that do to that character and I don't mean like physically or fighting him I just mean like you know in the same room in the same panel in the same story with right. Superman yeah so that's my choice I would go with that one that one's a lot of fun I've seen those books my whole life I've never read those stories no never yeah never. Yeah, that book, for a long time, they had the one that was a DC Marvel that was a, the collection one was out of print. I don't know if it's back in print or not, but mm. it was out of print for a long time. But yeah, those are fun. Nice. I think I loaned those to you, Zach, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. But I'm always a fan of a treasury. I, I love them as a kid. I love them now, so. I, um, I went with, as my first choice, a uh, John Byrne issue. So okay. Picking, um... Superman Volume 2, number 10, which mm-hmm. is the Super Menace of Metropolis. Okay. And uh, so this one, it's uh, Superman's powers start to go out of control. He's like seeing his co-workers like as skeletons in the Daily Planet. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, his, he's like yep. ripping, you know, doors off the hinges and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, his heat vision starts going off and it's like so intense that like his own body can't hold it back. Like it's mm-hmm. hurting his hands and his eyelids and stuff. 
So he runs and he tries to get away so his powers don't hurt anybody. And as he's trying to get away, he's attacked by this, uh, like, metal-clad uh, robot creature named Clash, mm-hmm. with a K. Clash and right. two A's. <laughs> of course. Um, and so, uh, and so, you think it's a robot, but, like, Superman is also, like, he's, like, he's, uh, Clash is uh, covered in lead. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I can't see through this thing, so I can't make, I can't, like, verify that this is a robot attacking me and not, like, a person in a suit. So, like, he can't like actually like hit the thing full force because mm. he's afraid that somebody may be in there that he might kill them. Right. right? So he's just trying to like kind of contain this thing as like his powers are going nuts. And it, so it's like it's like the worst day of his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. With his powers going nuts. And then and then, you know, and he's having to contend with this with this uh, robot thing. And meanwhile, like like the people in Metropolis, like just think Superman snapped. And gone nuts, <laughs> and, right. you know, and is attacking the city and, and everything. So, uh, so he's trying to sort of like get get a hold of all of those things, uh, while like trying to figure out like what's happening with his powers at the same time. It's such a great like single issue book. I love it. I love it. And like for me, it's always like it's kind of in a weird way. It's kind of an analog of like like when you have to go to work but you're having a sick day, right? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't want to be here. But I have to be right. here, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and you're just miserable. Yeah, it's it's such a good book. I absolutely love that story. Mm-hmm. So, you guys have any more? Uh, I think I mentioned before. Um, this one I, I think we did single issues. Hitman thirty four. That one's always good. Okay. By Garth Ennis and, and John McRae, which is the the Tommy Monahan is is uh, Hitman. <laughs> Hence the title. Is about is, is is up on a rooftop and runs into Superman on a day where Superman is having a bad day, you know. And then just the idea of what you know what Superman means to people and how important he is. And it's a great book. I, it's one of my favorites. If if I find it anywhere, I usually pick it up, even though I have multiple copies of it at this point. <laughs> um, it's just one of those books that I'm like, nope. When people are like, oh, Superman's boring. I don't understand Superman. what's so big great about Superman. I'm like, this one explains it really, really well. Yeah. I think Superman and Gen 13 is, mm-hmm. a, is a, another really good one for that. Oh, too. I love Superman Gen 13. Yeah. Again, again, if you, if, you, if you have any questions about why Superman's great, that one's a good one, too. And again, it's, as I said before, it's one of those things where I'm like, Adam, as much as, as, as fantastic an artist as Adam Hughes is, it's, his writing on that is just so good. Yeah. He should write more. I will, um, I'm going to throw Superman Kryptonite into there, um, okay. which is, which is um, a Darwin Cook piece that he did. Uh, for a title called Superman Confidential for a little while in, in, in like the mid 2000s. Uh, and Tim Sale's the artist on this one. And it's, it's really, really good. And surprisingly, for, for a book called titled Kryptonite, this book has some really, really interesting, inventive ways of making Superman hurt that doesn't involve Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite bits, it's one of my favorite like Mon Pa Kent bits ever comes from this book where, you know, he's explaining, uh, you know, having to, having to deal with like stopping a volcano from erupting. And he's explained like, it's sort of like a moment. It's like, it's like the first time Clark thinks he's going to die actually being Superman doing something. And it's just a great moment of his dad being like, you know, I don't want your mom to worry, you know, please like, don't, you you can talk to me about that stuff all you want, please. You know, I want you to, but he's like, I don't want you to talk about this stuff in front of your mom because she worries enough as it is. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I just like, I love that. I love that moment. And it's such a great book. And it's like, nobody talks about that book ever. I don't know why it's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'll say that one. And I'll say for all seasons also. It's another really yeah, like, good one. It's like, it's like a classic, but also not like it doesn't come up that much. Right. Yeah. And that's a that's a Jeff Loeb Tim Sale book from I think ninety eight I want to say they did yeah, it in between right. sort of the Long Halloween pieces, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So like Long Halloween came out first, then they did this, and then I think they did Dark Victory, and and this is another really great one, and I think notable, um, notable in the way that that each issue is done from a different character's perspective. So it's like Pa Kent is the narrator of the first issue, and then it's like Lois in the second one, and I think Lex is number three. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds right, and I think it's Lana for the fourth one. Could be wrong. I think it's Lana though. Um, and it's another like really like fantastic looking book. I mean, like it's some of sales best art ever. Okay. In that in that story, and um, yeah, it's just a it's just a great like. You want to feel great, <laughs> reading Superman mm-hmm. like an optimistic and happy, and feel like, uh. uh you should try better and try and try and do good out there. Like this is one of those books, I think, you know, as, as you should reading Superman. I think that's what the, I think that's what the, like the best Superman stories, like make me feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Anything we left out? Any last, any, uh, last thoughts? I'll go with one just real quick. And I thought about this when I couldn't remember the, what it was. I found it though. Superman 156 from 1962. This is not a hoax, not a dream, but real. The last days of Superman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great, uh, That's great, a really Edmund good one. Ha- great Edmund Hamilton, uh, Kurt Swan story in which Superman is taking care of a satellite, gets exposed to green kryptonite, but he also gets exposed to a thing called Virus X, which was basically a, a virus from Krypton. And it's basically, you know, one of those early Superman is dying and what's he going to do with his last days stories. Okay. And then, you know, it's a combination of, of, of people both being upset, some people being thrilled that he's going to die, but at the same time, Superman being Superman all the way to the bitter end. Um, again, if it's a story, if you like, you know, how the, the tenacity or the, um, the heroic, you know, in the, basically in the face of death, Superman is still Superman stories. That's a great one. The other one I thought of real quick was, I believe it's uh, Superman Beyond, if I remember correctly, by Grant Morrison. We talked a little bit about him earlier and how great he is on Superman. Yeah, Final Crisis, Superman Beyond 1 and 2. And those are great stories. You get a lot of um, a lot of multiversal Superman meeting. And then, of course, Superman, Doug Monk does the art. Or Doug Monkey does the art. Um but yeah, really, really good. I love the end of it. It's really kind of a, a nice bit of, you know, when the world is falling apart, what does that, you know, what does that mean to Superman? Right. And not much else is remembered from the Final Crisis story days. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one good thing. Well, uh, There's yeah. one good thing you can glean from that, from that era, yeah. from yeah. that event. Yeah. Nice. But the, that one's great. That's a great. It's two issues. It's great. Love the end. Like I said, the ending of it is my, one of my favorite Superman bits ever, just because of what it says about Superman. Right. So. Awesome. No, I think we got yeah. some good ones in there. Mm-hmm. Good list. From, from a couple different eras, too, which I think is, is, is kind of key. Kind of shows the timelessness of the character, which is mm-hmm. the whole point of these episodes. <laughs> yep. He's 85, and, you know, 
he'll probably, you know, he's going to outlive all of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? All right. So that's it for Superman's 85th anniversary. Um, as always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on let me know how it is .com. Um, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on let me know how it is .com or wherever you get your podcast. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to suggest a topic, let us know in the comments, Twitter, or email us at info at let me know how it is .com. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.